At this time, I want to invite all the little folks up here, all the children. Please come on up here. We've got a special thing just for you. Merry Christmas. Oh, y'all aren't excited about Christmas, are you? Oh, you are. Okay, so Merry Christmas. Awesome. Well, guys, I want to share a story with you. But in order for me to share the story, I need your help. And so I'm going to share a story with you, but I'm going to use these gifts because, you know, we all like, we like to open gifts at Christmas, right? Oh, you don't. Oh, you do. Okay. Well, I need, um, I need a little girl's help first. A little girl who likes to open presents. Are there any girls here that like to open presents? Okay, right here. All right, why don't you open this present first and tell us what's in there. Show us what we have. What is that? A blanket. Oh, it's not just any blanket. You know what this is? This is a baby blanket. And if you look, if you look right out here about halfway down on the aisle... There's a guy about 6'4". He used to be wrapped up in this about 17, 18 years ago. Isn't that crazy? This is, this, is, this is a baby blanket. Now, this reminds me of the story that I want to share with you. And it's out of God's Word in Luke chapter 2. So I want you all to listen to this. And it's about a baby. It says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. He was the king at the time. That everyone in the world should be registered. In other words, they, they wanted to count all the people. So y'all might not understand this, but this guy, Caesar Augustus, I guess was the first Baptist. Because he, he wanted to make sure everyone was counted. Okay, So, so uh, they, they all had to go to their own homes to be counted. And so each to his own town. And there was a guy named Joseph. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth. To Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and family of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so Mary had a little baby. And uh, does anyone know what his name was? You got that one. Good job. And they wrapped him up in swaddling clothes, and they laid him in a manger. The manger was really like a, it was a feeding trough for the cows and for the sheep that were there with them. I know, it's not really made for a baby, but that's where they... That's where they laid him. That was his crib. And so laid him there. But you know what? This baby wasn't just any baby. This was a special baby. Now, to help me finish the story, I need the help of a boy that likes to open presents. Is there a boy here that likes to open presents? Okay. <laughs> All right, buddy, watch you. Come here, Christopher. Come here, buddy. Come on up here. Here's, here's the one, Christopher. You open this one up and, and show everyone what you find inside. 
Pull it out. What is that? I know it looks like a piece of cardboard with aluminum foil on it, but it's actually a crown. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? You don't want to wear Who wants to wear the crown? Hudson, would you like to wear the crown? All right, all right. Come here. All right. You know how to put on. All right, so put it on. There we go. Excellent. All right. All right, so we'll pretend that that's a crown. Guys, listen to me. This baby that was wrapped up in swaddling clothes that they lied in a, laid down in a feeding trough for his, for his crib, he was a king. He was a king. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. It says that in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And so there were, there, there were these shepherds out in the field, and they've got flocks of sheep, and they're watching over their flocks of sheep, and it's nighttime. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. This angel popped out of nowhere, and they were afraid at first. And the angel said to them, Fear not, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So this this baby, Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, is not just any old baby. He was a king. He was a king that was promised from the first part of the Bible, which is the Old Testament, there's all kinds of stories called prophecies that point to the Son of God coming into the world and that He would be the King. But you know what? That's kind of a funny way for a king to come around, isn't it? For a king to be born and, and laid down in a feeding trough in a barn. That's kind of a funny way for a king to be born, isn't it? Well, this just wasn't any old king. This was a a special king. Some called him the king of kings. So I I need one other person to help me finish this story. It needs to be someone that's that's pretty pretty old. Yeah, who's... All right, how about you? All right, can you open this up? So what is that? A nail. That's not just any old nail. This This is a spike. What do we what do you use nails for? Yeah, when you make something and use use a hammer, can you imagine how big a hammer must be to nail this one? What else do you use a nail for? For building stuff? Yeah. Building a fort. Do you have a fort? Wow, yeah. You'd probably use a a, a nail to build a fort too. But you know what nails like this were used for? See, this little baby that was wrapped in a baby cloth like this and laid down in a manger, he was a king. But this king came for one reason. He came to be a sacrifice for us. Because we, all humans who have ever lived, we have disobeyed God in lots of different ways. And because of that, we can never be with God. But God loves us. Our loving God is amazing. And He made a way for us to be able to come back to Him. 
And it was through His Son, Jesus Christ, the King who left heaven. You know, Jesus didn't uh, begin His existence in Bethlehem when He was born. He has always been the King. That King left heaven and came to earth for one reason. And that is to live a perfect life without sin that none of us could ever do and then be nailed to a cross. And boys and girls, what they did is they nailed nails like this through His hands and through His feet. And He hung on a cross and He bled and He died to take away the sins of all those who would place their trust in Jesus Christ. And there are many in this room who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. They've turned away from their sin and and their self-rule, and they've turned to Christ and His rule over their lives. And for them, the blood that shed on the cross covers over all of their sin so that they can be with God again. But Jesus did this for us. And boys and girls, tomorrow, you're going to be opening up lots of gifts like this. Maybe not like this, but you'll be opening up gifts. But tomorrow morning, I want you to remember the greatest gift ever was Jesus Christ. And tomorrow we celebrate His birthday. But the reason why His coming into the world is good news is because He was a baby who was a king who became a savior and died on a cross for us. And that's good news. Boys and girls, would you all bow your heads And pray with me. Father God, I just thank you so much for these children. Thank you for every one of these boys and girls. And Lord, we we lift them up to you and and pray, Father, that you would give them saving faith. God, we'd ask that you would give it to them at a young age. Walk them across the line of faith from death to life. So that they would be yours and your family. And Lord, we pray for their families. We pray for everyone in this room, Lord, as we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, that it would be about more than just the presents we give to one another, about more than Christmas trees and wreaths and stockings. It would be about celebrating the baby who was a king who became a savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is awesome. I love seeing this group here. It's really neat. Um, Ken, at this rate, we're going to have to get a third church to partner with us with a bigger building next year. So, and I, we do have Baptists in our name, so I'd like to know how many people are here by the time we're done. So, <clears throat> but it's good to see all you guys here um, this evening. Um, I've been asked to bring a short 15-minute uh, message here. For our Christmas Eve service, those of, who are members of Harbin's know that in and of itself would be a Christmas miracle. Fifteen minutes, me giving a sermon, but we'll give it a shot. Uh, please turn, if you have your Bibles here uh, this evening, to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. As you're turning there, uh, I want us to just have a short 15-minute or so meditation upon this passage of Scripture from Galatians. It's Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. And in this passage, we will see six vital elements to the Christmas story. Six vital elements to the Christmas story. Four of the elements deal with what God did at Christmas. And the last two of the elements are focused on why God did what he did at Christmas. Altogether, 
they sum up the glorious message of the gospel. As I mention each element, I'm going to have a visual aid up here. I'm going to build a traditional manger scene up here as I mention each one of the different elements. But for right now, if you would, turn to Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. And uh, if you would, please stand as we read this short passage of Scripture. Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. The word of the Lord says the following. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time of the year, this Christmas time of the year that we um, think upon the incarnation and we meditate upon what it is you did and what it is you accomplished by sending forth your Son. So Heavenly Father, now as we come and we gather and we want to have a short time of meditation upon this passage of Scripture, Lord, we, we are not so bold as to think that we are able in our own strength to eat from your word the way we should. And so we ask for the Holy Spirit to open up ears, to grant me a mouth to speak. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As I've already mentioned, the first four elements of this uh, passage of Scripture, the first four elements of the Christmas story that we can see in this passage come from the very first four phrases that Paul gives us in verse 4. In these elements, we see what God did at Christmas. And so the first thing I'm going to place on our table here as I put together our manger scene is simply a, a stable. Let's see if I can put it together right. A stable. And the first phrase I want us to focus on is simply that very first one. But when the fullness of time had come. The phrase fullness of time means that all of history had been pointing to this moment, this moment that Christ was born. We must realize that when we celebrate the Advent, we are celebrating God orchestrating all the events of history to bring forth His Son. As we progress toward the white candle in our Advent celebrations, we're remembering that God sovereignly oversaw. God purposely uh, put every detail in, in place to bring forth His Son. God is the Lord of history. From the, from the rise of Alexander the Great so that Greek might become the global language, to the whim of an emperor who wanted to count his subjects, all of history, every scene, every character, every event, every tiny detail, all superintended and guided by God the Father to bring forth His Son. But this fullness of time also meant that God was gradually unfolding a grand story, a story with a grand purpose. And now that story had come to its grand climax. And this fullness of time meant that God was fulfilling all that the Old Testament had been pointing to. The Son was indeed the fulfillment of all the types and the shadows. He was was the fulfillment of all the promises of God. For all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Him. That's why Jesus said 
when he went out and began to preach the gospel, he said, the time is what? Fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus, the son, was the goal, the fixed end of all of history. And all was fulfilled in him. That phrase in the Greek, fullness of time, literally means to be filled up. So you can imagine a, a water, a cup of water reaching its brim to the top of the glass and then spilling over. Jesus was the fullness of time in history, and now we live in the overflow of that glorious event. Now, the next thing I want to add to our manger scene here is actually, I'm going to put two elements up at once, simply because this is the type of manger scene we have at our home. But we have Mary here, and we have the baby, the baby Jesus, and I want to focus on the baby right now, that element of the scene here. So the next statement in Galatians chapter 4 is this, God sent forth his son. What a, what a glorious statement that alone is. Friends, Jesus didn't become the son at Christmas. God sent forth his son. He didn't become the son in a stable in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. God sent forth his son. He was already the son. He's always been the son. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before the ages began had already covenanted together to save mankind. And so it was that the pre-incarnate Son, who was and is and always will be, chose to come, chose to be sent by His Father into our world. John 17, 5, Jesus praying to his father says this, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Micah 5, 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who art too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, one whose coming forth is from old, from Ancient days. So God sovereignly designed and guided every aspect and every element of history to, to this climax with the sending forth of the eternal Son. But not just sending the Son, but breaking into time and space and into creation itself and sending forth His Son to take on human flesh. And so that's the next element. The next phrase in Galatians chapter 4 is simply, born of woman. Born of a woman. And so that's Mary here in our scene. The next great ingredient of the Christmas story is simply the incarnation. Jesus, the eternal son, partook fully and completely in humanity. It's shocking and beyond comprehension to imagine that the eternal son, the second person in the Godhead, developed in Mary's womb. He was born a bloody birth. Like every human birth. It wasn't some magical, special birth that was different than every other human birth. Just as bloody, just as hard, just as painful as every human birth. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with a God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Born of a woman, Genesis 3.15, 
promised us that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. That's the very first gospel promise in all of Scripture. And at the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come in a little stable outside an obscure city in an insignificant province in the Roman Empire, the time came. And the seed of the woman came. And the head of the serpent was being crushed. Next, we read that he was born under the law. And so I want to place another element in our scene here. Let me place Joseph here. He was born under the law. This is so important, especially in the context of Galatians. Paul's been arguing that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. But he was born under the old covenant law. And you remember the genealogies that show us he comes from the the line of David and from the line of Abraham. He was born under the law. He was a Jew under the old covenant law. And he was obligated to keep the law. He was under its heavy yoke. And he was the only man who ever kept it fully. Every iota, iota, every dot, he was the only man born under the law to keep the law, the letter of it and the spirit of it. Now those are the first four elements of our gospel story, the first four elements of our Christmas scene, and it tells us what God did, but why? Well, we get to verse 5 now in Galatians chapter 4, and the first thing we read there is it says, to redeem those who were under the law, to redeem those who who were under the law. And the next element I want to add to our scene is a lamb. Because Jesus came and experienced a bloody birth so that he could die a bloody death and be the sacrificial lamb to redeem his people. He came to redeem those under the law at the fullness of time. He was sent by the Father to take on human flesh, being born under the yoke of the law. Why? In order to save those who were under the law, to save sinners. It was love, unfathomable love, that drove God to send his Son and to save sinners. For we are all born under the law. You may say, well, I'm not an old covenant Jew. You're right. But we're all born under the law. We're all bound by the law. We have the work of the law written on our hearts is what it says in Romans. While our consciences also bear witness, accusing us, for we all know we are lawbreakers. We all know we are sinners. We all know we are rebels against our creator. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of that sin is death. But what love that God has that he would send his son to redeem, to purchase back those who had rebelled against him. We were enemies of God. Yet he chose to redeem us. But more than that, the eternal son actually took sin upon himself. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming what? A curse for us. So forgiveness of sin, redemption is the reason for the season. And that alone would be glorious enough. But God did more, sensationally more than that. You see, not only did Jesus secure our redemption, he also secured our adoption. And that's the next phrase. So that we might receive adoption as sons. So the next thing I want to add to our scene is simply a lowly shepherd. A lowly shepherd. Shepherds were despised, dirty, the lowest rung in society. And so are we. 
We deserve nothing. Imagine a shepherd being adopted into the family of a king. Oh my. Imagine a rebel, an enemy against God being adopted into the family of the king. It's exactly what happened. Those who place their faith in the Son are given redemption from sin and are actually given adoption into God's family. It's one thing to be forgiven by a just judge of the universe. It's another thing to be declared part of the judge's family. To become one of his sons. To become a co-heir with Jesus Christ himself. The spectacular truth of Christmas is that God not only saved sinners in his courtroom, he adopted us into his living room. It's an amazing truth. He exonerated rebels and then declared them righteous. For we were given the righteousness of his own son, the perfect law-keeping son of God who kept it on our behalf. We read, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's what Christmas is all about. The Father sent the Son in His perfect timing to be born in the flesh and to be a perfect law-keeping obedient Son and He did it for us to redeem us, to adopt us. So I'm going to close with this passage of Scripture from Ephesians. In Him we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the majesty of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Let's pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for what you have done, what this Christmas season is all about. And Lord, it would have been enough for you just to forgive us of our sins. That would have been infinitely more than we ever deserved. But we've been brought into your family. We'd be satisfied just to to be sitting outside your court. But you brought us into your home to belong to you as co-heirs with your son. That is astonishing. So Lord, as we get together tomorrow with our families here and gather around and eat food and open presents and do all these things, oh Lord, may our minds be fixed on you and may we praise you with loud voices for our unbelieving family members and neighbors to hear that we are sons of the living God. Heavenly Father, stir us up to a mighty and very outspoken joy as we celebrate Christmas tomorrow. So, Father, we give you all the glory, and we thank you for this time. I thank you for this gathering of your people. If there be any here who are not sons, oh, Lord, I pray that they would hear the purpose of Christmas, and they would bow their knee to the one, to the obedient son, the one who always was and is and always will be. Because eventually they'll bow their knee anyway. Lord, I pray that they do it right now, willingly, that your spirit would move in their heart and give them a willing heart to obey the son, to confess their sin, and to be brought into the family. 
We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.